0: Welcome to the My Beyond Life podcast. It is our hope that this podcast will help to equip, empower, and encourage you to live a life beyond the boundaries and into the abundant life Christ has for you. Today, Miss Amy will be discussing when your reality goes from hard to harder. Matthew chapter number one, Matthew chapter number one, if you would, that's where we're going to eventually get to. Um, Last week, we just had a good therapy session where we just sat down with the Lord and he put his arms around us and showed us a thing or three. All right, I went back and watched that lesson this morning and bawled again. Um, So it's just what God gives us when we need it. So today we're going to go from that point forward. We're going to jump back into Mary's story, okay, which we all know in so many ways is our story. Okay, so we know from Luke chapter number 2, Gabriel comes, he gives the announcement. She says, be it unto me. And then we know she immediately then goes to spend three months with Elizabeth. Now those three months were very special months because she was understood. They knew what was going on. I mean Elizabeth herself had a special pregnancy that was pronounced by an angel. So they were were kin, they were sisters in this situation. And so what they did was they had a very special three months where they understood each other and where they had common ground and it was her safe place. Every once in a while in your heart, God will give you a little oasis. God will give you a special friend, a special person, a special someone that will get it. Someone that you can be real with. Someone that you can talk to. Someone who has common ground with you. And those are very precious, precious people and precious times. So she had those three months. But don't you know, in those three months, it was hanging over her head. She had to go home. And she had to, as you would say, face the music. She had to go and face Joseph. And if she was honest, she wouldn't believe her either. How crazy is the story that she was going to share? In fact, it almost sounded blasphemous. It almost sounded blasphemous that the Holy Spirit was going to come on her and put a child in her womb. Now, listen to that through Joseph's ears. What? what are you saying? What in the world have you gone mad? So that's going through her mind the whole time that she's walking every step back home. I'm sure her steps were getting heavier. I'm sure she was getting lower and lower and lower so that when she goes and she speaks that, that it's all consuming. It's all she can think about. What's he going to say? How's he going to respond? What's going to happen? Okay. How am I going to make it pregnant and alone? with my family not supporting me. And if he runs out on me, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna be begging in the street? What's gonna happen? He could have her stoned. Remember, all of these things were running through her mind every step she took toward home. Well, let's see how it goes down with Joseph in Matthew chapter number one, starting verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. All right, so let's put that in in today's uh, vernacular. Okay, she comes to him, tells him what's going on. He's in shock, disbelief. His earth is shattered. His world is is, is the the rug's been pulled out from under him. Of course, he doesn't believe her. Of course he thinks she's gone crazy. And so of course he says, "Uh, uh uh-uh-uh. It's off. Whole thing off, kaput, over. We ain't doing this. Now he had a couple of choices. He could have very publicly brought charges against her. Think Pharisees and the woman called in the act of adultery. Okay? Think that. He could have done that. He could have drug her to the town square and she would have been stoned for adultery. Okay? Because she was found with child just like the woman taken in adultery was found in the very act okay the same kind of premise here same time period same economy same rules same regulations all right so all of that is happening she goes to him he has this choice now joseph was a very good man and he loved this woman and he didn't choose to go the public route but he did choose to walk away He did choose to say thanks but no thanks. He did choose to turn his back and say, I ain't in for this, I didn't sign up for this. Now none of us blame him because look what it looked like from his point of view. Not a single one of us would point a finger and condemn the man. So what he decided to do was put her away privily, which means shh, keep it as on the down low as possible. He didn't want to embarrass her, he didn't want to publicly humiliate her, he just wanted her to go away. (laughs) He just wanted it to go away. All right, so that was his way of dealing with it. But in verse 20, look what happens. But while he thought on these things, now what do you reckon that looked like? A lot of sleepless nights, a lot of tossing and turning, a lot of worrying, a lot of fretting, a lot of tears, a lot of heartbreak on both sides. Mary over here in her house and him over here in his. So while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Then Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Okay, so they're married in a hush-hush ceremony on the down low. They didn't go to the synagogue. They went to the justice of the peace. Okay, they didn't invite anybody because nobody would have come. It was all done very quickly, very hush-hush, which of course you know what that was interpreted as. You can imagine what everybody thought. You can imagine what the whispers at the well were. You can imagine Mary's reality of what she's facing because now she's gone from hard to harder. We talked about it last week. When you become and live your hard 24-7, when your hard is now when you first wake up, when you go through this, when you deal with that, when you face that person, when you when you walk through that, your heart is all around you. You can't get away from it. You can't walk away. You can't turn your back. It's all around you, surrounding you. It permeates every moment of your day. Even when you're away from it, you can't stop thinking about it. So that's the kind of hard she's now gone to. She's gone from hard, now she's going to harder. Her reality, once she got the ring on her finger, really didn't make anything much easier. I don't know what the situation was with their parents. Were they completely excommunicated? Would they even associate with them? Would they even speak to them? Imagine Joseph in his business. Did people refuse to even do business with him? That's a very real possibility. I think sometimes we just don't get in the culture enough to realize what all this affected. All right? Of course, they were not welcome you know, in, in the places of worship, not the people who knew them. And then, then you've, you've got all of the issues of a new marriage. You're getting used to each other, you're getting used to being married. You're, you're, you're trying to get used to, to living with a man. All right? He's trying to get used to living with a woman. And, and each other's craziness and weirdness and oddness and miscommunications and all of those kind of things with all of this stress added on top of it. Not a perfect recipe for a great start. Everywhere Mary would have gone, they would have snubbed her. That's a lot of hurt. That just keeps reminding you that you are rejected over and over and over again and that's how these two started their marriage under the stress and the strain of hard and disappointment and that's the the the, the every day uh, that Mary was facing now last week we talked about how disappointment is truly if you peel years back it is a gift that's why it's <laughs> so hard to get up and teach it because it's like No one thinks disappointment is a gift. No one opens up the Christmas package on that day and goes, woohoo, disappointment, thank you, Jesus. No. It's like when you were a kid and you were hoping for the bright pink Barbie Corvette and you opened up the box and you got underwear (laughs) or socks. Okay, you got you a six pack of Hanes Cottons. (laughs) It's not what you wanted. You wanted the bright shiny Barbie Corvette. But that wasn't what your aunt or your grandma or whoever it was that gave you that got you. But you know what? That Barbie Corvette can sit on the shelf and gather dust when you're done with it, but the Hanes six-pack, you used them every day. They fulfilled a need. It was still thoughtful. It was still good. It was still a sacrifice to give it to you. So we got to start looking when we open up that package of disappointment and realize there's a gift in there. Okay, there's a gift in there. So that's what we're going to kind of take a look at, that gift, that it's not that God is withholding good from us. It's that God is giving us good. It's just not the way we thought it was going to look. Remember that expected again? It's not what we expected, but it doesn't mean it's not good. So that's kind of where we're going to park today and sit down and get a really good look. I want you to look, if you would, it's the verse we've already looked at in here a bazillion times, but we're going to look at it again. Jeremiah 29, 11. Mary wanted the, the Barbie Corvette, but what she got was something different. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you your expected end. Is that what it says? This preacher says they don't even say that in the living Bible. It's to give you an expected end. Whose expected end is it going to give you? His. His expected end, not our expected end. So what we need to to grapple with and what we need to come to terms with and what we need to reconcile is is his expected end is worth what we got to go through to get to it. It's worth the hard. It's worth the disappointing. It's worth the uncomfortable. It's worth um, all of the um, dips and, and twists and turns and curves because we can trust him to give us good that's what we've got to do if you'll remember last week we talked about the context putting the context around what we see now i brought this uh, i bought like a piece of furniture at an antique store one time and this odd magnifying glass was in the drawer and i you know of course i was just going to toss it i thought no 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 i'll use that in sunday school at some point i'm sure all right so so here it is here it is and actually i just discovered like five minutes ago that it actually has a battery pack here that and it has little spotlights right there so not only does it magnify it shines a light on it so what we do with our disappointment (laughs) is we magnify it and then we shine not one but two lights on it so that we can truly just focus on that but what's the problem with that that is distorted That's not the whole picture. That's focusing on one tiny part and making it look bigger than it is. For over-examination. Anybody ever overthink anything? Anybody ever overanalyze anything? Anybody ever overcomplicate something? Okay, that's when you got this. Pulled out of your back pocket And you're going over your heart. And you're going over other people's motives. And what do they mean by that? And why didn't they do that? And where's God? And what's he doing? And what's he thinking? And, And it looks like he's lied to me. And all this kind of stuff. We're just taking it. We're looking and we're going, wow, this is really hard. This is really big. I can't get over it. But in reality, it's not as big as what we're thinking it is. Now, this morning when I picked this thing up, I don't really know what it was, but there was something really gross and sticky all over it. I have no idea because it's not mine, and I don't know where it's been. But I thought, how fitting, because (laughs) we put it on our gross and sticky situations. So someone has been putting this in a gross and sticky situation. I don't know what it is. (laughs) But anyway, it got a bath this morning, so the battery thing will never work, because I didn't know there was a battery thing in here until just a few minutes ago. But anyway that's what what we do isn't it but what we're gonna try to start doing is stepping back from over-examination and seeing the whole context of the picture or at least the context we know is there so think pieces of a puzzle what we're gonna look at today is going to give you your corner pieces because you know that's where you have to start when you do a puzzle You have to start with the corner pieces and then you work your way in because in is a lot harder. Okay, so we're going to look at some corner pieces today to frame our hard and that will help us get a perspective of our difficult. All right, so what's our corner pieces? Go with me if you would to Psalm 119. Let's look at some corner pieces. Psalm 119 verse 68 Here's some corner pieces that will help you out. Thou art good and doest good. All right, there it is. God is good and God does good. You hear that? God is good and God does good. And those are some mighty big corner pieces. And I can filter anything I'm going through through those two. God is good and God does good, period. Even when it's ridiculously hard. And it looks like he's not good. It looks like he doesn't care. It looks like he's left me, but that's only because I'm looking through this. So if I frame it with God is good and God does good, that helps me put some things into focus. Well, let's look at another one. Same chapter, just down a couple verses. Verse 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. All right, so here's another corner piece. God is good, he does good, and it's for my good. It's for my good. Whatever it is that's going on, God is somehow gonna bring good out of it either for you or for someone else in your life it might take you a lifetime to ever see it and you might not even see it in your lifetime but you can trust him that he will at some point I've seen God bring good out of the ugliest of situations you can imagine and I've years later looked back and gone Wow he really did bring something good out of that. I never thought he would 10 years ago, but he did. So we can trust that he's good, he does good, it's for my good. And then, of course, Romans 8, we know, it'll work together for my good and his glory. Okay, so God is good, God does good, it's for my good, and it's for his glory. It's not for my comfort. It's not supposed to be about that. It's not supposed to be for my ease. It's not supposed to be for my comfortable. But those are your four corner pieces that you can put down and take to the bank. Frame your heart with that and then God will start filling in the other pieces. But you need to have your corner pieces firmly in place. All right, now, keeping your context in place is very, very, very important. What kind of context? God's person. God's plan, God's purpose, and God's providence. All of those are pieces that can go on around and link those corners together. God's uh, person, his character, who he is, his identity, the names, the characteristics, the facets of God, all of that can be filling in that whole top line, the person of God. Filling in on this one is his plan, that there's a reason, that there's a big picture, that, that it's a good one. All right, feeling it on this one is God's purpose, okay? All of that, all, none of it's wasted, none of it's random. All along on this side is the providence of God. God's able, God's in control, God's behind it all, in it all, through it all, for it all, all right? So all of those are your whole little outside piece here. So now we're gonna step back and we're gonna look at another time in Mary's life when her heart went to harder and then got harder still. Okay, now imagine, Mary is now nine months pregnant. Her reality is hard every day, okay? Because now she's really showing. And so now it's like everybody thinks her sin is really out there. And so there's no running away from it. There's no hiding it or disguising it. And people are openly pointing fingers and whispering. That's her reality, okay? Her reality is is a marriage under total strain at best. Her reality could have been a very serious economic hardship as Joseph was just trying to find work. It could have been strained relationships with her family and just missing them and missing her normal and missing her family and missing all of that. So all of that is in her heart. Every bit of it is in her heart. But then it it doesn't stop there. (laughs) It just gets harder. So she's nine months pregnant, okay? Okay. She's to that point of absolute misery. You guys all know what I'm talking about. I laugh in choir when we're sitting up there and this pregnant woman who's at the very end comes waddling in, okay? And she's, you can just tell the baby's already dropped and she's just walking around it, you know how that is? And she's just so uncomfortable and the whole soprano section where I sit's go, oh, bless her heart. We have done that because every one of us all of a sudden go back in time to how uncomfortable and miserable those moments are. Now, that's where she is. When all of a sudden Caesar Augustus throws her a curveball. All right, now hold on, this one's different. This one didn't look like it came from God, this one looked like it came from man. And that's harder to reconcile. That's harder to reconcile because man ain't out for your good, are they? And man don't love you no matter what. So this is harder for her to reconcile. All right, so he comes, Joseph comes home that day. I can almost see him scared to death to even open his mouth. Because y'all know what, I mean, living with a pregnant woman ain't no piece of cake. Especially a miserable one. And he has to come and tell her she has to go on a 70-mile journey to a city she doesn't want to go to. It was inconvenient at best, horrific at worst. All right, she's at the point in pregnancy where you're miserable in a five minute air conditioned cushy seat car ride. And she's at the point of a 70 mile donkey ride. Think ladies, donkey. How uncomfortable is she? The baby is so low. And she has to sit on a donkey for 70 miles. Yeah, no, no. No. Where's Caesar? We're having a talk. I think if Mary could have got a hold of Caesar, <laughs> his Augustus would have been gotten. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can see it now. Oh, no, we're having a chat, Mr. Dude. We ain't doing that but she had absolutely no control of the situation. Also made this harder. Now she could have turned God down earlier, remember? She had the free will, she has no choice in this one. Someone else made it harder than it had to be. Oh, that's another facet to this thing called disappointment. When someone doesn't cooperate with what's best for you. When someone's not out for your easy. When someone's not looking out for your comfort. When you're not top on their priority list. Caesar Augustus didn't care. He just wanted his money. So now he comes and he tells her, we gotta go on a 70 mile journey. Do you realize, according to Google, which of course is right about everything, This trip would have taken at least five days. The last full week of her pregnancy. Yowzer. Five days of travel all day. Imagine how big her ankles were. Imagine all the side of the road bathroom stops. Because at that point, You have to pee every five minutes. Imagine sleeping on the ground when you can't even get comfortable in a plush feather bed at that stage of the game. You can't even get comfortable to sleep at all at that stage of the game. And she's having to sleep on the ground. Cold, hard ground realities happen. And they happen at the hands of selfish people but the good news here is god god still used that god still brought good from that Say, what what good was that he got her to the prophesied place to give birth to the messiah had he not been born right there he could not have fulfilled it it was that important just as important as we read earlier that a virgin conceived it was as important that she give birth in Bethlehem. She wasn't going to go to Bethlehem any other way. God had to use hard to get from A to B. He had to use hard to do it, and he'll do that for us too. If he sees you have a Bethlehem that you need to get to, he'll get you there. But it may be a disappointing donkey. It may be a disruptive donkey. It may be all kinds of different vehicles that he will use to get you from point A to point B. And it will take time. It will be a process and it will be hard. But she did it. She got on that vehicle and she got on that designed, that divinely designed donkey. And it got her where she needed to be at the right moment in time, the right time, the right place, around the right people. And in the end, after it was all said and done, do you think on her deathbed, Mary was still talking about the donkey? Do you think she was still talking about how hard that trip was? Do you think that was still forefront in her mind? No. No. That wasn't still forefront in her mind. That was a distant memory. So many other things were more important and it happened between here and there. So what we can do now is almost like when you go to the eye doctor and you look through that contraption and he puts all those lenses down. Which is clearer, this one or this one? This one, or you know what I'm talking about? And then what his goal is is to get both eyes working together to see the clearest picture possible. So let's drop some lenses to get our perspective as clear as we can. What would those lenses be, even when we're looking at disappointed donkeys, okay? Even when we're looking at disruptive donkeys, what are some things we need to look at? We need to drop the lenses of, once again, the person of God, the power of God, the plan of God, the providence of God. All of these things, the purpose of God, need to be completely dropped before our eyes constantly until finally, presto, everything can be seen clearly. Now, I'm not saying the end is seen clearly, but what is the eye doctor trying to get you to see clearly? What's well, right in front of you. So we need to make adjustments, like he keeps making adjustments, and keep working at it and keep going at it. Or otherwise, we're gonna walk around with fuzzy views, blurred vision. So we got to say, okay, I'm dropping down the identity of God. I'm dropping down the ability of God. I'm dropping down my identity in God. I'm dropping down my ability through God. I'm dropping all these truths, truth, 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 until I see the way I'm supposed to see what's right in front of me. Not feelings, not what the world says, not what society says, not what my friends say, but what does God say? about this nasty now and now that's right in front of me. To understand that, we actually need to go back further than Mary. We actually need to go back all the way to Eve. This struggle that we have with our less than. And it's interesting to note, because you know, Adam and Eve passed everything down. (laughs) They just gave it all to us. Okay, they passed down all of this ick. To us. One of the icks that they passed down to us, they really couldn't help because they were created this way. They were created to expect perfection because they were created perfectly to live in perfection. So that was the human expectation from their very first breath. And unfortunately, we like our mama in that one, Mama Eve. We've been born with an expectation of perfection a longing for it, a desire for it, a yearning for it, a looking to it. In fact, if we were very, very honest, we would love to park our car at 101 Perfection Place in the Garden of Eden. That's where we want to be. We want to look at our husband and see a perfect Adam. We want to look at our body and see a perfect Eve. We want to look at our situation and see an Eden. But we don't live there anymore we live at 101 less than lane in realville so why didn't God scrub that perfection out of them when he took them out of the garden why didn't he just take that out of them the reason why is because that's exactly what's in us that drives us to him You want to know why? Because he is perfection. That's why the human is created with a God-sized hole in their heart. They're looking and they're longing for perfection, for perfect love, for perfect peace. And when they find him, they've got it. But if we weren't longing for that perfection, girls, we wouldn't be seeking it. But that drive in you and that drive in me that made us want to go there, that made us want to find him, that's what brought you to salvation. So it's a gift. It's a gift. But it can also bring hard because we constantly live in that well-fertilized plane of less than land, that gap between what we want and what we get. But what we want and what we get brings us to him. Now, we want perfection so bad in today's world because we live in a world of of airbrushed filters. We live in a world of we know too much. We're connected too much. We see too much. Every single one of you could go to every single friend on your Facebook and see what the inside of our house looks like. You've never been able to do that before. Have we? We've never been able to compare as much as we do now. Because their reality is on our phone 24 7. The problem is, it's not really their reality, is it? It's not really their reality because it's posted perfection. And posted perfection ain't real perfection. It's not real, it's a charade on their Amy land that comes across their stage and into our eye gate and makes its way down to our heart. We want what they've got. Why is it easier for them? Why doesn't she have to go through this? Why do I have to go through that? Does God love her more? They're not even in church. And look at the car they're driving. How many times has that ever crossed your mind? I thought disobedience wasn't supposed to be blessed, Lord. They looking like they living in Blessville hard stuff it fuels it it fuels it now Mary reacted to this once again this other disruption and she responded in a way that she was supposed to respond because you know what she did she climbed on the back of the donkey I don't read in scripture where it says Joseph had to drag her out of the house kicking and screaming I don't see where it says she threw a pot at his head when he told them what happened. I don't see her picketing in front of Caesar's palace. I don't see any of those reactions, do you? I don't know what she said. I don't know what she felt. I know what she did. She got on the donkey. How did Mary get on that donkey so sweetly? Because I wouldn't be feeling sweet. I'd be feeling a lot of things, but sweet wouldn't be one of them. How was she able to get on the donkey so nicely when it was so hard and so uncomfortable and God forgot to give her the staples easy button? I want the staples button. I'm going to push easy on this one, God. How many of you know God's will doesn't include that? It didn't include the easy button if he didn't do that for Jesus <laughs> he's not gonna do that for us either sometimes his will just doesn't include easy but it always includes good there's always a purpose there's always a plan even in your Bethlehem what is your Bethlehem where your hard got harder and your your disappointment got more difficult What is that that Bethlehem you're staring in the face today? It might not be what you want, but there's a reason. There's a purpose. God is good. God does good. It's for my good, and it's for his glory. So this week, our homework is to get those corner pieces down. It's to fill in those sides with the truths of God's word so that we can put this down and see our situation from a heaven's point of view. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being so good. Thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for taking care of us. Thank you so much for blessing us with your faithfulness over and over and over again. Thank you for the truth, God, that you are good. You do good. What we're going through is for our good and for your glory. Thank you that we can nail those down no matter what the donkey looks like in our life. Thank you that we can count on you in a world where we can't count on anything. I thank you for that truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you are enjoying these lessons on emotions, go to pbccanapolis.org to purchase Miss Amy's book, Full Disclosure Real Talk About Raw Emotions.